welcome to episode 525 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a grand conversation with Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright Martina Mayok. I'm happy and proud to say this is, I believe, the seventh time Martina has graced us with her presence. And we talk about her Tony nomination for Cost of Living, her process and inspiration, Sanctuary City, Balance, The Great Gatsby, Florence Welsh from Florence and the Machine, the Writers Guild of America strike, her name, her father, her grandfather, her mother, what you make your art with, among other things. A grand conversation with Martina Mayok this go-round. We have an EWSA titled Freedom, and we share an excerpt from an essay titled Voluntarily and for Pay by David Foster Wallace, published in the May 2023 issue of Harper's Magazine. And we have a poem titled Almost June. All of this, of course, will be infused, imbued, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it then. Episode 525 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. We argue in the kitchen about whether to have children, about the world ending in the scale of my ambition, and how much is art really worth. Everything you're best at is the thing that hurts the most But you need your rotten heart, your dazzling pain like diamond rings You need to go to war to find material to sing I am a mother, I am a bride, I am a king I need my golden crown of sorrow, my bloody sword to swing I am no mother, I am no bride, I am king. 
freedom. The Percocet helps me deal with this small town living, with the cop jocks and pool hall hustlers throwing so much shade this way. It's hard to find a good friend when all you got are attitude and questions. Troublemaker is your confirmation name. Only a genuine street saint be mostly okay as they slay. The political bosses and gangsters cross-pollinate, stealing for different reasons and the same, too. I try to hear Buddha and walk through leaves of grass every day. Hey, hey, God and country bullshite gets between me and you working together. Those oppressive myths stand deep and directly in the way of freedom and community. Yet those notions of living are so damn powerful in people and look as if they're here to stay, for a while at least. The beasts of beauty on and off Broadway stage stories of truer soul and value that lifts one up and slowly soothes deep the loneliness and human pain. Echoing through the seats and out into the streets, that this life is not all for naught. We just forgot while bouncing around the landscape, screaming for answers, seeking understanding, all in vain. I can understand the man because I am listening, and I know he is not connected to any sort of heaven with his game. The yin sings through the birds and crickets, and the streams flow with the wind into the ocean, around and around, again and again. These are my friends. No more Percocet to make me her pet, just water, fruits, and bread, sweet song for my spirit, calm thought for my head.
a little time But with you by my side I won't let go Till I've got what's mine Cause people come and go Martin Amayok, is that you? It is. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours once again. So happy to be here. Always. Well, thank you. We're talking to Pulitzer Prize winning playwright Martin Amayok. And I'd like to share an excerpt from a New York Times review of Sanctuary City by Jesse Green. Before we get started, American playwrights typically stake out a territory and stick to it. Tennessee Williams, having adapted that name, became the poet of the ghostly, ghastly South. August Wilson was the bard of striving black Pittsburgh. Edward Albee lurked like an imp inside the brain, or perhaps the cirrhotic liver, of the warped New England wasp aristocracy. Add Martina Mayok to the list. Her territory is Newark, but not just the literal one in the shadow of Manhattan. Hers is the dystopia at America's back door, where stateless people, desperate for even a foothold in the country where they live, find themselves hounded by danger at every turn. Again, an excerpt from a review of Sanctuary City, by Jesse Green from back in September 2021. I think that puts things into perspective. That's why I shared it. You're considered one of the best, and I am honored to have you on the show, and I know you're humble, so I'll stop praising you. <laughs> uh, but, you know, some big things are going on as we speak for you. I know you're, you're, uh, you're due to, to go downtown to Manhattan, I suppose, and you have a workshop. You have... The Tony's coming up. You've been nominated for another work, not Sanctuary City, but Cost of Living. Um, congratulations. Thank you. And you won the Pulitzer Prize for Cost of Living uh, a couple of years back, back in 2018, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, so how does it feel to be nominated for a Tony? <laughs> I was like, what to, I'm sitting here about to cry as I was reading, as you were <laughs> reading that review. Um I, you know, it feels amazing to be nominated for a Tony. Uh, it's 
it, I'm still wild to me that this play uh, that people have responded to it uh, in in the ways that they have. It's been uh, overwhelming, and it's like it's like filled my heart and soul. It was a, you know the play I'd written when I had no place to live. When I just I just moved to New York and I was hopping from sublet to sublet and in my first year the second one had bed bugs like got cleaned out it was just like a year of struggle and um and dealing with grief and just all this precarity and to fast forward to now uh so it's been like every time I talk about it I'm about to start crying because I can see the I I can see the journey and this when that's where it started was you know not having a home and it's and since since then I've 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 built one in this community of the American theater and my friends uh, all, all my my friends are 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 here and they've um uh b- both professionally and just you know relationally I feel like I've I I've been I've been welcomed and I feel like I I belong and um, that was that was the real thing about getting the, the real moving thing to me about getting a nomination was I felt like um, my my friends were like yes <laughs> said said that, yes I do belong and it was it was just immensely so moving so like I don't know like yeah I was just had to be nominated <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then I get to go to the ball <laughs> right I get to go to the ball <laughs> that's gonna be exciting I'm sure uh, yeah and I love playing dress up. <laughs> Oh, I've been watching some of you know some of the footage that you share <laughs> on social media, and I could tell you're having a good time. I am. <laughs> might, might as well. Um, you know, back in 2016 is when it all started with Cost of Living. You know, I, I believe it was it debuted at uh, Williamstown and uh, Williamstown Theater Festival in 2016. That's where our associate producer crossed paths with you. Yeah. To our good fortune, Dr. Michael Pavis, he he witnessed that premiere. And um, and then I what I read a little while ago was a review for a different show, Sanctuary City, uh, mm-hmm. in 2021. And then Cost of Living was invited to be on Broadway the, in 2022. So it was Cost of Living in 2018, won the, the uh, Pulitzer for that. And uh, you had various projects going on. But then Sanctuary City got high acclaim high praise in 2021 and then back to cost of living and now the tony nomination now uh when when you look at when you look at that that narrative that that timeline it, it's pretty impressive and i'm sure it's been very uh uh challenging to to get all keep all this stuff uh balanced in terms of you know your your workload and and your being in 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 the moment for each each project, I suppose, not losing sight of one from the other. Yeah, it's been it's been a process of the, like you know there's there's just feel like there's no roadmap to how to balance focus and attention and care. Um, so I feel like um, I feel like there's there's like eight children that <laughs> are demanding um, my attention. And uh, some for a while, it was like, which one's putting its finger in the light socket? Deal with that one and save that one. But then, you know, another one's like, <laughs> just like withering away because I hadn't said it for a while. Like this, so it's so it's really like a, how can I, uh, how can I, uh, yeah, the, the the challenge of the challenge of balance. And I, I think the way that I've been dealing with it has been to just tetra schedule myself uh, and focus with in, in one project. I have a really hard time dividing my attention during the day. To, to various like artistic projects, I'll 
Um, I'll do like um, I'm in a musical workshop right now that's just this week, and so this is the art that I'm working on is this one project, and then 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 um, the past four weeks uh, before this was another musical workshop, and that was for the for the Great Gatsby musical. Two weeks in the studio with Florence and um, Thomas and Rachel, and then two weeks with actors and dance and um, and text, and so it was. It was. I couldn't have worked on any other artistic project, but at the same time, I had to also do interviews or do um, uh, prep for the prep for the Tonys, do uh, other sort of administrative um, things that are associated with like with basically running your own business as a as a as a playwright. Um, well. So so I've my yeah, the way the way I balance it now is just to try to keep the one project at a time. So my artistic focus is on that. Um, meanwhile, all the other projects, there's, there's, they're kind of being worked on in the back of my brain, uh, in some, in some way, some thought or something in life will, will, will hit me and I might take a note for that and kind of squirrel it away for later, such that when I transition to the, to that next project, it's already kind of been, things have been marinating for it and, um, there's a process of coming back into it, uh, and then I'm, and then I'm sort of there in that, in that in that space working on that one thing but it took me a while to just get to that very basic like you can't work on more than one thing martina <laughs> like at a time you're gonna you're you're it just doesn't feels like you're diluting right diluting my my um focus too much and um just you know there's only so many hours in a day to to be awake <laughs> right and but at the same time you can't but you need to work on more than one you thing but you need to. yeah you know yeah, you pop in here and there i think the writing aspect of it is really difficult multiple projects but you know meetings and things like that for other projects to put them in a, into a state where you can be ready all the logistical administrative sort of things like that's fine for me to do be if i'm writing gatsby for example then like i can take meetings about a play or a movie um uh, uh sessions that are coming up to be able to prepare for that and then when i'm then when i transition to that it's just that um but it's it's definitely been like back to back but i also sort of love it I've been I've been thriving on just knowing that I um, what I, I have to look forward to. I like I'm concluding one and I go right into the next one. It's it's a joy to to be working on things that I that I love and care about. So you know I'm happy. I'm happy and tired. <laughs> yeah, and I mean you're working with great people too, which makes it uh, enjoyable and, and easier, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Like uh, Joe Bonney direct you're yeah. directing for you. And uh, some of the cast of uh, Cost of Living, Greg Mazgala, mm-hmm. Katie Sullivan, Kari Young, and David Zayas. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, that's got to... And Florence Welch, you mentioned Florence. Florence Welch is mm-hmm. from Florence and the Machine, that great pop rock uh, group. Uh, she she must be a joy to, to hang out with. I'm sure she's got great creative energy. She really is. She's uh, She's so fun. She's so kind. She's one of the best collaborators I've ever worked with she's very malleable and she's constantly inventing things she's got this this uh, she's she's very focused and has a well of of inspiration that she's pulling from and you know we we will talk about uh songs we'll talk about moments together and it's it's incredible to then get songs where you you know where the you know where certain things are coming from it's it's the biggest gift to <laughs> sometimes the way you know uh come into the room and hear words that the uh, concepts that you spoke about put into this beautiful music 
uh, it's so moving. And it really just, you know, I, I've said before, I, I hate writing. I despise it. The act of it is agony. Uh, and so working on a musical with lovely people means that uh, it's a little bit less agony because you're less alone or, or like earlier on. You know, the part about writing that I hate so much is how lone, lonely it is. And this way, I've got a partner in the in the in the making of that before actors come in, so it feels <laughs> it's a little bit more bearable. Um, and when that person is Florence Welch and Thomas Bartlett, it's especially a lot more bearable. Right, Thomas Bartlett is one, and and that's for the Great Gatsby we're talking about, which mm-hmm. I guess is is coming. Is it going to be off Broadway or Broadway in twenty twenty four? We're going to premiere to ART up in Cambridge and 24. And, um, yeah, depending on, depending on when it's, if it's ready by then, then, you know, we might do more development or we might, you know, try to bring it to Broadway right after. Well, so we'll see. That's dependent on how it goes. Excellent. Um, so there are a couple of things I want to get into here, uh, if you don't mind. Uh, now we're talking about, again, the most recent, project that's getting attention is regarding the Tonys is cost of living. Uh, mm. And that's, that's occurring, I think, June 11th, 2023. Yeah. So Th- sh- thankfully, thankfully it's occurring June 11th. What do you mean? So you can like not have to oh, be because, worried about it? Oh no. I mean, because, because we didn't, weren't sure if it was going to be televised. We weren't sure if it was right. going to even happen. The writers, oh, my goodness. the writers uh, <laughs> yes. guild. Yeah. I want to get into that. Yeah. I want to ask you a bit about that too. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I heard it's, it's not going to be scripted because the writers aren't writing anything. So it's a different mm-hmm. sort of approach to the way it's going to be broadcast. But I, before, we, before we get into some of that, I, I want to read a little bit uh, from an excerpt of the review the Times gave Cost of Living in 2022. Uh, again, this being the, the production that uh, has been nominated for a Tony. And then we're going to talk about it. So here is an excerpt from the October 2022 New York Times review of Cost of Living by Maya Phillips. This play left me breathless, and I'm not just using a manner of speech. As I made my way through the crowd of people exiting the theater, I took hard, shallow breaths, knowing that one deep inhale could set off a downpour of tears. This production either broke or mended something in me. I felt brilliantly, painfully, cathartically near the point of physical exhaustion. It seems as if the tears, the chuckles, the full body ache of feeling is the currency of an outstanding work of art. We give nearly two hours of attention, and great theater offers us empathy and humanity in return, riches of which the world's wealthiest can only dream. Wow, what a review, right? <laughs> Crying, weeping. Yeah. <laughs> weeping, I've... all right again. Yeah, I kind of feel that too. And, uh, you know, I saw Cost of Living and back with my wife back in uh, June 2017, and uh, I get what she's saying. Uh, and you know, my compliments and, and again, my congratulations. Now, thank you. Oh, weeping, truly. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's art is so uh, is so powerful, and it's such a gift, you know. My my son is an artist. You you've had interactions with my son Lorenzo. You helped him out with the, with a college project, uh, and um, you know he performed recently, and people were coming up to him and saying how much it touched him, and he felt uncomfortable. And I'm like, why do you feel uncomfortable? I said, that's a gift. That's a gift, and you're sharing it, you know. And you know you're honored to be able to share it, and and you're and you're touching people, which is an honor too. And I'm sure you feel that. 
in a, in a greater way, of course, because you're touching thousands uh, at, at the highest levels w- through words and then making those words through, you know, production, through people come to life. How does that, I mean, how do you process all that? Because it, it must, I don't know. When you read a, re- a review <laughs> like I just read. It feels like, that feels like, um these these every work but these these plays and that play especially they just they cost so much to make they cost um dug up trauma they they cost um um you know the obvious of t- the time and hope and hours you know work um uh moving through difficulties but it's also um, a lot of them are, a lot of the plays are, are the characters are composites of people I know or um, aspects of this person and that person and um, bits of my life, bits of my mom's life. And these ways where, where I, I have felt there are these containers for my own loneliness um, and confusion and um, uh, fear. And, and I've put them all, I, I put them in a space to commune with them myself, but also to share them outside of outside of myself with other people, in hopes that there's so I can do something productive with the loneliness, with the, with those with those extreme feelings, and to then have it responded to. There's a feeling of oh, you're not alone. Oh, me too. Um, I I. It's like when you're having a, a conversation with somebody, uh, and you realize they had a really similar experience to you to your one of your experiences, which maybe you were ashamed of, or maybe you um uh hadn't to- hadn't shared and and um uh hadn't spent time with and somebody you're sitting with somebody who's saying no 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 me too i absolutely i felt the same way and uh and and just how good that feels when you're when you're in relation with with somebody who shared something that was meaningful to you uh and i mean with cost of living especially this this go around it we it was right after the the pandemic i mean we actually were supposed to premiere and 2020 but that um or, or like the season after that that, that following season and uh, you know de- delayed and we decided to delay it even further um uh to, to 2022 uh and i feel like well, when i had written the play i started when i started writing the play which was i mean i think it was 2014 when i actually started putting pen to paper for any putting any words on it you know i had been dealing with the, i mentioned precarity and grief i'd lost you know a really close person to me wasn't able to attend his funeral and sort of say goodbye. Uh, and I had this, I had this personal break, these personal little breaks in my life and then, and broke the play. And then we all collectively had this giant break and had experienced all this loss together that then when we were, I, I was, I felt it palpably in the audience that we were communing with our losses. Um, in the in the in the play, and you know, it's it's. I talk about it like it's like the most serious thing. It's funny. Uh, it's or, or endeavors to be funny, endeavors to be generous with its storytelling. Uh, but 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 it all, you know, it's dealing with grief, it's dealing with loss, it's dealing with like the breakability of our lives. And um, I, the number of people that came up to me after and said, you know, that they lost their spouse or their their parent or their child, and um, or it spoke to their feeling of isolation during that time. Uh, it was so, it was so moving. It was so meaningful because it felt like maybe these plays are useful. Um, maybe the thing that I've been, <laughs> that I've devoted my life to 
is of use to other people and that makes it so much more meaningful for me because it's it, it takes it beyond myself well stated but it still is intimidating when someone's like just saying nice things you know i don't know what to say yeah <laughs> or later on that i'm like oh take it hold it in my heart that's a that's a beautiful approach and, and uh i you know it just speaks to how cool you are. I think you're very cool. We've, we've talked about <laughs> a half cool. a half dozen times, and the, every time I, I talk with you, you're just genuinely a uh, uh, good person. I can tell. I mean, it's Thank wonderful. You. It's wonderful. Now, uh, this this is maybe a little selfish on my part, and it, you just brought it up to my mind. You know, as I said, we've spoken about six times. I think six, seven, and we never t- never talked about this. And 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 one of the reasons. I, I, it's important to me, and maybe I said it's a little bit selfish. My father just passed in December. You know, oh, I'm sorry. Thank you, thank you. And, and it's been difficult. I mean, we have many, many unresolved issues. That's one of the biggest parts of why it's difficult for me. And I know your mom is a big influence and inspiration on your life. You talk about that often. Uh, you guys are together often. Yeah. We've never talked about your dad, your father. Mm. It, would you mind sharing a little bit about him? Sure. I mean, I I don't know much about him to be to be honest. I he he left my mom before I was born, so I think she was a, a like second trimester. Or so um, this was in Poland. So I have still never spoken to him. Uh, I know his name. Uh, he actually his name and my mother's name were fused to create my name. So his name is Marek, and my mother's name is Justyna. So Martina, or you know, my Americanized Martina, um, is an, is the you know it is a name, but it's also it happens to be the fusion of their two names. Um, and I, you know, I was for for people who I feel like for for kids of divorce, like I, it can be more difficult when somebody when when a, when a parent leaves when a parent leaves a child because there was a relationship that they had with them. But I just I never met this person; they're a stranger to me. So, so there wasn't like I didn't feel a lack, I guess, because it was always my mom or my, you know, my mom and my grandparents when I was in Poland, uh, and then I moved to, you know, when I moved to America and I was living in Jersey in this in neighborhoods where it was primarily single mothers, primarily single immigrant mothers. I was like, oh, this is how this is how a family works. It's a it's a mom and she's and she's she's doing everything. She's you know she's working. She's taking she's taking care of her kids and. Uh, trying her best and you know sometimes the community helps and your your neighbor will babysit or you know the grandparents will will come come around from from whichever old country you're <laughs> you know you're from and so like that was that I guess like his uh, his, his absence uh, I it didn't it didn't it, it didn't impact me I think in some in, in ways that's that I think for for people who had relationships with their with their fathers um it may have but but i you know i i am curious i'm curious about who he is i i have actually i'm more curious about siblings that i have that i have never met half siblings mm-hmm. um i apparently have a half sister who is also named martina wow <laughs> um the the myth uh that i have been told i called it a myth because who knows um uh, if this is if this is the true reasoning, because I never spoken to the person who actually made this decision, but the the what I had heard was that the this woman who had born this daughter, this two other two other um, 
daughters that he has is that as far as I know uh um but this woman that bore this child um he this he refused to marry her and so despite him she named their daughter after the first daughter he abandoned uh which is still I just find that so poetically delightful I'm like it's much this can't be true it's just too good <laughs> I have a sister named Martina wow um, so yeah, like I, and then you know, in terms of other father figures, I mean, I, you know, I came to when I came to the country. I lived with a lot of, you know, I, I had a stepfather who was who was pretty violent and, and abusive, and so um, most of the men um, have been either absent or or destructive. But I did have, I had a really close relationship with my grandfather, who was the the man that I the the, the family member that I lost right before I started writing Cost of Living, uh. and he was. Uh, he was the dearest. I, I I loved him so much. I love him now. He's you know, um, he's he's gone, but I I still have conversations and you know relate relate to him. Um, What's his name? For advice, Pavel Pavel Mayok. So Paul, the reason Paul, and he um he was a painter in Poland, um, which you know being a painter in Poland is like. The state will ask it. <laughs> like, we'll ask you to, to. So it's like, so to see, it doesn't, it's not, it wasn't lofty. It wasn't, it wasn't a lofty, you know, um, artist's life. But I was surrounded by paints and um, an artist's mentality. And he did this. He supported my grandmother and my mom on painting. And so I looked up to him so much. And I think his, uh, he is why I became an artist. You know, I also wanted to be, a, at some point, I think I want to be a visual artist because I was trying to, uh, to, to, to be closer to him. Um, and then eventually found the theater and found writing and, and found my, myself in that space. But, so, but that, that's my father, my, in my mind, in my heart, that's my, that's my father figure was, was my grandfather. Um, so I miss him terribly. And I, yeah, I'm so sorry for your loss. Well, thank you, and thank you for sharing all that insight. I really appreciate it. Again, we're talking to Martin Mayok, Pulitzer Prize-winning playwright here on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. And uh, I know you have a workshop downtown that you got to get to, so I don't yeah. want to keep you too much longer. I want to give you an opportunity to to share some of your thoughts on uh, the Writers Guild of America strike, if you'd like. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I've I've been a I've been a proud member since 2016, and they've I mean they've they've in ways literally saved my life because their health insurance was extraordinary, and um, it's you know it seems it seems crass to talk about health insurance, but it's such a big deal. Um, it's such a big deal in this country, um, and uh, I just you know a lot of that is uh, my frustrations with that is at the core of cost of living, where it's like well you have to earn the ability to be alive in this country uh um and get 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 the kind of care that will that will keep you from dying uh in this like uh in this unequal country um but it's you know i've dealt with i dealt with a lot of medical conditions since coming from poland and and um it's been it's been life-saving so so i i deeply appreciate what they've done for me um, in that way, and also their continued fight for fairness. Uh, so I have not been able to strike because I stood in musical workshops since for the past five weeks, like straight. Um, and you know, people, some, an actor asked me, they're like, "Are you allowed to be here? Are you, aren't you supposed to be on strike?" And I was like, "Different guild, different unions." <laughs> so, so theater work is through the Dramatists Guild. Uh, and television and film work is through the Writers Guild. So right. you know, we're we're in the clear. 
<laughs> to do theater work and apparently podcasts, as my managers told me yesterday. Um, so I haven't been able to strike, but I, I'd love to. I'd love to join. I'd love to join them um, when I'm when I'm able to and not working. Uh, but yeah, full 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 support of of the of their efforts and their work and um, and the continued fight. And uh, and I was and, and so part of the the reason to televise the Tonys or to to ask for them to reconsider when they said that they they didn't support um, it moving forward was that this is an opportunity to further the cause to amplify the Writers Guild strike. Um, on a wider platform as well. We're not gonna, we're, we're you know, gonna do a show that's unscripted. But I, I'm sure that there's gonna be a lot of conversation on the red carpet and beyond about that's that's support for the for the WGA. Um, so so hopefully, yeah, that'll be a, a, a mutually beneficial um, uh, endeavor. Yeah, and I, I and I you know I'm. I'm a big supporter too. I I don't know if you know this about me, but I'm I'm a union president for my faculty at the college I teach. I didn't know that. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it's pretty. The unions are important, and uh, yeah. solidarity is important. It's nice to hear that. Uh, I knew you would be there. I just want to give you an opportunity to say a few words, and finally, so we can let you go again, Martin Amayok. And I know I say your name differently always because the first time we met. Oh, I say- both. Yeah, Did, I say it both ways. I love, I lo- actually love it for you. It's been Martina. I'm Martina to my mom, and I'm Martina to my Polish friends, and I'm I'm both. So I I I, I think you're, I get you're the only one who says it in interviews, and that makes me very happy. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> now, the, thank you. I'm I'm glad to hear that. Now, uh, any final thoughts about family, friends, community, self to share with the listeners? Oh God, you're gonna just like make me keep crying at nine in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think, I think this, this year, especially like, um, I mean, a few, like, like in September 21, I had premiered Sanctuary City and, uh, and then I had been, have been basically in musical workshop after musical workshop, um, and doing, doing film for the first time with a, with a director who's, who's very collaborative and, um, makes space, makes a lot of space for my, for my thoughts and my input in a medium that's, that's traditionally, you know, director based. And then now, and now cost of living, uh, being in the, uh, getting to bring that playback. I am, I'm uh, like knocked over backwards by community. I think this is the thing that I have been treasuring. Um, and, and really feeling is, is the, the, this, this group of friends and really family that I've, that I've been able to find through, Oh no! Don't cry. <laughs> that I've been able to find through the making of things that come from a really personal place uh, for me, and and offering them up to other people, and them accepting them, and taking them, and and um, lifting them up, and um, bringing them to more to more people, sharing them, finding value in them, uh, is is. I, like there are no words for how moving it is, and then on top of that, they're my friends. <laughs> mm. They get to be my friends, and I get to go hang out and drink with them, and go to their shows and their openings, and um, squeal when I see them, and uh, hug them, and and I and I, I just I have felt the the uh, immense value of community and friendships and these relationships, and and I guess especially in theater making. Um, 
it's these are these are people are the paints they're 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 the things that we the, the relationships are what we are uh, are the are the tools that we are making our art with we're in conversation with other bodies with other people with other histories and and um, experiences and that's what we're making our art with and so it becomes an immensely personal uh when you work on something it just becomes immensely personal because you're it's people um that you're making with together and and what a gift mm-hmm. what a gift to then have them move beyond the making of something uh and then be in be in your be in your life as your friends and your and, and your your family and your loves and and i i this has been a year of feeling incredibly incredibly lucky because of because of these people so i i wish that for everyone wonderfully stated martina you know it's it's truly an honor and a joy talking with you you're so you're 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 so intelligent and you're so uh, you are <laughs> soulful and you're I, honestly you're a treasure as a person and as an artist here in, in the u.s and beyond so keep doing what you're doing uh we'll be watching the tonys uh break a leg good luck and, thank you and um yeah thanks so much for being on troubadours and rock on tours martina thank you thank you so much for having me i love it every time i get to speak oh that means that means the world to me <laughs> Well, we'll talk to you again in the not-too-distant future. Great. Love. Looking forward to it. Bye-bye. Bye.
And now, an excerpt from a piece by David Foster Wallace, titled Voluntarily and for Pay, from Harper's Magazine's Archive, 1996. I have now seen sucrose beaches and water a very bright blue. I have seen an all-red leisure suit with flared lapels. I have smelled suntan lotion spread over 2,100 pounds of hot flesh. I have been addressed as Mon in three different nations. I have seen 500 upscale Americans dance the electric slide. I have seen sunsets that looked computer-enhanced. I have, very briefly, joined a conga line. I have seen a lot of really big white ships. I have seen and smelled all 145 cats inside the Ernest Hemingway residence in Key West, Florida. I have heard steel drums and eaten conch fritters and watched a woman in silver lame projectile vomit inside a glass elevator. I have pointed rhythmically at the ceiling to the two-four beat of the same disco music I hated pointing at the ceiling to in 1977. I have learned that there are actually intensities of blue beyond very bright blue. I have eaten more and classier food than I've ever eaten, and done this during a week when I've also learned the difference between rolling in heavy seas and pitching in heavy seas. I have heard a professional cruise ship comedian tell folks without irony, but seriously, I have seen fuchsia pantsuits and pink sport coats and maroon and purple warm-ups and white loafers worn without socks. I have seen professional blackjack dealers so lovely they make you want to clutch your chest. I have heard upscale adult U.S. citizens ask the ship's guest relations desk whether snorkeling necessitates getting wet, whether the trap shooting will be held outside, whether the crew sleeps on board, and what time the midnight buffet is. I have, in one week, been the object of over 1,500 professional smiles. I have burned and peeled twice. I have met crew staff with the monikers Mojo Mike, Coco Puff, and Dave the Bingo Boy. I have felt the fully clothy weight of a subtropical sky. I have jumped a dozen times at the shattering flatulence of the gods-like sound of a cruise ship's horn. I have absorbed the basics of mahjong and learned how to secure a life jacket over a tuxedo. I have dickered over trinkets with malnourished children. I have acquired and nurtured a potentially lifelong grudge against the ship's hotel manager an almost reverent respect for my table's waiter, and a searing crush on my cabin steward, Petra, she of the dimples and broad-candid brow, who always wore a nurse's starched and rustling whites and smelled of the cedary Norwegian disinfectant she swabbed bathrooms down with. 
and who cleaned my cabin within a centimeter of its life at least ten times a day, but could never be caught in the actual act of cleaning, a figure of magical and abiding charm, and well worth a postcard all her own. I know now every conceivable rationale for somebody spending more than $3,000 to go on a Caribbean cruise. to a stone jutting out of the ground, covered partially with white light, green blight, and stands empty nearby, is a gold and green birdbath shaped 
like a sunflower throwing shade over twigs and branches and cut grass. There are orange flowers across the way. A robin just perched on a moving lantern, as if to say... Episode 525 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Martina Mayok and David Foster Wallace as well as these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Florence and the Machine, Charlotte Day Wilson, Krongben, Micaiah McRaven, Terence Blanchard, and 
Brantford Marsalis too. And of course, I would like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's give it a go and do our best with this time. Take care of yourself. <laughs>